from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't like who I They don't like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to do it for each other. Yes, this is the Blitz at 6. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 13th. Hopefully everybody had an incredible Easter over the weekend. You know, maybe an untraditional one on FaceTime, calling family at this time. No, are fewer Easter egg hunts, but shout out to all the families out there practicing social distancing while still getting good quality family time in. Today on The Blitz, the NFL draft just a week and a half away. We'll talk about some of the biggest concerns still facing teams. Yes, many of them tech-related, but uh, some teams still very much concerned about the hacking possibility by fans. Also, some of the big names in this draft, Tua Tongovailoa, Jordan Love, uh, being discussed over the weekend. So we'll break those conversations down for you as well. Also, the NBA may have a plan to formally reassess its shutdown due to the coronavirus pandemic. I'll tell you why it involves a 25-day potential timeline. It's all ahead in this hour right now. Let's get to your headlines. The NFL draft is, what, now just 20 days away, a week and a half. Uh, April 23rd, things kicking off there. And yes, this year it will have a little bit of an untraditional, non-traditional look. Uh, that is because everybody will be drafting from their homes. And uh, we've never seen this before. According to ESPN reporter Jeremy Fowler, they also, NFL, sent the draft pro- uh, prospects a bunch of video equipment because we normally get to see these big moments in person, right? That's maybe one of the best parts of the draft is seeing their faces and their reactions, the reaction of their family when this part of their their dream comes true. Jeremy Fowler talking about how, well, they sent equipment home with a lot of these kids. The NFL sent all 58 players involved in the draft a kit, and that includes a camera to try to capture those reaction shots on the couch when the big moment happens, and then production quality lights to try to enhance that shot. And then I'm also told that Roger Goodell is going to have some sort of interaction with each player, probably a FaceTime style interaction, similar similar to the bro hugs that you might see on draft night. <laughs> Yeah, I miss those bro hugs. Got to get those in. Uh, Roger Goodell, maybe some awkward FaceTimes, which would be something to look forward to, I think. Jeremy Fowler also continuing on, talking about the biggest concern for teams on draft day. The execs I spoke to around the league aren't as concerned about the draft as they are the hour after the draft, because that's when undrafted free agency hits, and it is a frenzy. You're talking about hundreds of players. Some teams make up 40% of their roster with undrafted players, and those guys become huge contributors. And it's a big teamwork activity. And so one exec told me you can't have the same teamwork when you're in your house. You can only do your best. And so some teams are expected to miss out on players that they would normally hit on. 
Mel Kuyper Jr. also speaking on the tech concerns over the draft process. If you push it back, you push it back. Does anything change? This is a TV event. Ironically, you talk about medical rechecks and all the testing and pro days that they didn't benefit from back in 1971 and 1974. Pittsburgh Steelers had arguably the two best drafts in NFL history, and they drafted guys from small colleges, Ernie Holmes, Dwight White, Frank Lewis, and others, and they didn't have all this technology and all these rechecks and all the things you do up until late April. They were drafted and early. There were 17 rounds, and they got the job done. So I think uh, it'll all be work out fine. There's a lot more important things going on in the world than what happens in the NFL and the, with the draft. And I think for people now to have some sense of normalcy, some will escape beyond everything so negative, uh, which is what's going on right now for obvious reasons. I think it's a good thing to have if you can pull it off, and it looks like the NFL will be able to do that, hopefully. We had heard uh, oh, from John Harbaugh, he was probably the first and most vocal person about the possibility of concert, security concerns using uh, different apps like Zoom or that some of these video conferences might get hacked into. Here's the thing. Uh, the first way to make yourself a target for hacking is probably to come out publicly and say that you're worried about hacking. Just want to float that out there, John Harbaugh. But uh, Diana Rossini also echoing that as well, saying that teams are worried. This is an actual concern for them. It seems that the concern is people hacking in. Not, uh, you know, there's always like that, the fun, like Twitter fodder of, oh, teams are going to hack into each other. I haven't really gotten the gauge of like, that's the concern. More outside people that are trying to be funny uh, or just trying to get access. Fans that just want to see trying to be funny i don't know i don't know about that but uh, uh jeremy fowler also speaking to teams picking virtually and how that will work a few days before the draft they will hold a mock draft all 32 teams are expected to be on that call to make uh, imaginary picks they can pick x player uh, leading up to the real night when they pick the real player and so i spoke to one general manager that said look all the hubbub about the problems involved are sort of overblown overblown you make the pick you call it in that's it. Seems simple as that. Seems simple right now, but uh, maybe if any of these coaches and have been involved in a, a fantasy draft, it might actually help them out at this time. Also, some big names in this draft coming up. Tua Tungo-Vailoa, definitely one of those names, and we've heard concerns definitely over his injury. Mike Golick and Mike Golick Jr. talking about this morning on Golick and Wingo. The, the two biggest quarterback question marks are Tua because it's medical. And Jordan Love for on the field. Dude threw 17 interceptions last year. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's because his whole, you know, uh, the, the offensive weapons changed. Nine he lost them all. And, and I get it. There's something to that. But still, 17 interceptions is a lot. So he's the biggest question mark on the field while Tua is the medical. Yeah, well, and I guess that's the thing is like with Tua, and I've heard some of the conversation that people have had this week and the concern for some teams is just durability over a long period of time not will he ever be great but will he hold up over a long NFL career and I've seen examples over the weekend like the league is littered with countless examples of guys who were injured in college who went on to be good long-term pros Jim Nagy also NFL draft expert talking about how Tua is a risk but also compares him to pretty big name quarterback that was a risk it's gonna be a roll of the dice you can you can kind of argue it either way um, we've seen the video that's come out now. Um, you know, the injury history is what it is. That's a bad injury. Um, the hip I'm talking about. Uh, I know he's got some other stuff too, but the hip is there's a high reoccurrence there. So, you know, there is a roll of the dice. And I keep using the Brett Favre example. Uh, you know, he was failed on his physical coming out of Southern Miss by the Packers. So when Ron Wolf wanted to trade for him, uh, the medical people there tried to block it. 
and uh, Ron overruled him and brought in Brett, and he, you know, is the all-time Iron Man in the league. So, you, uh, you know, it's a roll of the dice, no doubt. But you know, there, if you hit on Tua, you can stay healthy. You've got, you've got a really, really good player. Mel Kuyper Jr. on where he thinks Tua might be going. Also, a name that we know locally, Justin Herbert, where they might go now, as of now. I, I feel this way. I think Justin Herbert has a great chance, quarterback from Oregon, of going to the Miami Dolphins at five. I mean, that's what you hear. Miami hasn't talked about it. Obviously, they're keeping everything internal, but that's, there's obviously that chance because there's enough. You know, if you hear enough talk about it, sometimes it is true. Then Tua would say, well, how far would he fall? I've got to believe the L.A. Chargers at six would take Tua. It would be great. In terms of the fan interest, they got the LA Rams there. They're trying to jockeying for position there in terms of being the, the lead entity. And you have a quarterback situation there where they need somebody like Tua. Um, also, another big name that's been discussed recently is Jordan Love. Jim Nagy breaking down his skill set. Yeah, I, I mean, I just can't imagine. So it's one thing to have a variance of opinion on a player. And I've, I've been in enough draft rooms where we've had those debates where. You know, so someone will have a guy in the second round, another guy will have him in the fifth or sixth round. Or, But to, to have a guy that, that the majority of the league, a lot of teams have top half of the first-round grades on, and then to think that there's someone out there that has him undraftable, like you can't have a trained eye and watch Jordan Love tape and say that kid's undraftable. That's just ludicrous to me. That's uh, his opinion that he's undraftable, that some of those teams don't have him on their big board. Mike Golick Jr. breaking down Jordan Love and his skill set. Jordan Love, if you want a guy to fit a ball into tight windows outside of the numbers, you've found your dude. He, there are just times that I can't tell, and this is the, the other difficult part for a lot of the NFL teams, is trying to gauge, is he not seeing or is he overconfident? Because we also know with a guy with crazy arm talent like that, you can get confident in your ability to fit the ball in anywhere, over linebackers' heads, in tight windows and all those things. And it just seems like in some of the games I watch, he would kind of get lost in the middle of the field, whether it's linebackers going back or what, and throw some really questionable interceptions. As the NBA waits until May, that's when they will formally reassess their shutdown due to concern for the coronavirus pandemic. Adam Silver has also encouraged the league's employees to present ideas for potential return to play, potential timelines, and then how they would go about that safely. Executives and team medical personnel have been discussing protocols potentially to get players ready for games. Uh, one of the ideas that has been proposed is a 25-day program for players to go through before they would resume play, according to ESPN. They're spending a lot of time getting a back-to-basketball plan ready. They hope they get to use it. And in talking to executives and trainers around the league, what they're looking at is a 25-day return to basketball window. Hopefully, at some point, they can enact it. An 11-day series of individual workouts where there would be social distancing for a period of time. And then, hopefully, if the clearance comes that they can play five-on-five basketball, a 14-day training camp. So as you hope for the country to heal and the virus to, to get better, uh, look for at least a, about a three-and-a-half to four-week return date before you'd ever get back to, to games. So that plan, players would go through an 11-day stretch of individual workouts uh, where they would still maintain social distancing rules. Then if cleared by health officials, there would be a two-week training camp with all teams participating together. But a lot of personnel, medical teams, and league executives have expressed concern about these, this timeline and a lot saying that they believe they need closer to a month. Still so much unknown at this point. 
But uh, but that is one plan the NBA at least is weighing. Up next on the Blitz, speaking of the NBA, uh, they got creative with how they are helping to keep people occupied during this time, whether it was the NBA 2K Players Tournament, which ended over the weekend, or the horse competition. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 13th. Really hoping you had a happy and safe holiday weekend. We're looking ahead to the draft this morning. We're just now 20 days away, a week and a half. Doesn't seem that long, and yet things are like everywhere else in our world, feel a little uncertain right now with how everything will play out. Before we get to more draft discussion, we did get some news on a quarterback, Drew Brees, who already appears to have his next career lined up. He has agreed to join NBC Sports as a football analyst when he is done playing, according to a New York Post report from Friday. He's not yet announced when he plans to retire. He's 41 years old at this point. We know he's going to play the 2020 season after signing a two-year $50 million contract extension with the Saints last month. He told ESPN that, quote, right now I'm focused on training for this season, enjoying time with my wife and kids and relearning fifth grade math. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of us are. If you have kids or are friends who have kids, you're relearning some of those subjects you took back in school. An NBC spokesperson would not confirm an agreement with Breeze uh, in the ESPN article, but still, Drew uh, talking about uh, at least his side of it, and uh, that's exciting. Uh, I think he'll be great on TV personally, but it still remains to be seen. Some teams and some leagues are getting creative in how they create content as of right now. Since no games, whether it's classic games are airing, but no new games are airing, the NBA in particular, they hosted a horse competition, which was pretty fun over the weekend, but also the NBA 2K Players Tournament. It's now officially over. Devin Booker is the best NBA 2K player uh, in the league. He defeated DeAndre Ayton 2-0 in an all-Phoenix Suns final on ESPN on Saturday night meaning he gets $100,000 to donate to a charity of his choice for coronavirus relief. He went undefeated in the bracket over the past two weeks, defeating Denver Nuggets forward Michael Porter Jr., also a name we know familiar here in Washington, a Washington Wizards forward Rui Hachimura, and then also uh, beating two uh, others, or no, one other, before meeting Aiton in the final. Devin Booker, though, taking some time to chat about what it meant to win that tournament yesterday. Bro, um, it was a talented field. I said from the beginning it was going to be me and DeAndre in the championship, and, you know, that's how it ended out. But overall, man, it was, it was a really good time. Obviously, we're a great purpose um, in the charity work. Um, so, you know, I'm excited about it. Also, actual strategy happening throughout this tournament, and a little bit more on that. I got to ask you, man, he had a, a great strategy. He had left Bucks and Lakers to the end. He got by on that second game in the semifinal using you, your very team. He actually used you a lot in that semifinal. Um, do, I mean, he really lined it up, and but you had an answer. How did you kind of respond to having to face those two heavyweight teams and taking them both down? Um, I, don't, I mean, I just had to play the game. Um, I, I knew he had those two teams left, the Lakers and the Bucks. I went with a different strategy. 
Um, I used the Bucks the first game. And I wanted yep. to use the Lakers if I was ever facing elimination. Um, yep. So I was saving them. Never got to use them. Obviously, I didn't, didn't lose in one game in the tournament. But, you know, DeAndre's good, man. He knows how to play. I know he plays the my park every single day. Uh, but that yep. quick game's a little bit different when you got to control all five players. Booker did not play the Suns during the tournament. He said on Twitter on April 5th that his NBA 2K20 recreation was, quote, messed up, uh, which is an interesting wrinkle to that story. Devin Booker, though, also on how he and his fam are doing right now during the self-quarantine. Uh, I mean, we've, we've been good, man. You know, just staying quarantined, um, staying to ourselves, obviously getting to know each other a little bit better. Um, like you see, I got this guy, so this is good for this yeah. to get to know him. That was his puppy that uh, he had on his lap. But Devin Booker also just with an important message saying he wants everyone to stay safe during this time. Yeah, Come on, man. Everybody's staying safe. I'm trying to relay that message to everybody to, you know, stay away. Social distancing is a real thing, and this is a serious matter. We heard earlier in the hour about the NBA's plan, potentially 25-day program for players to go through before they would resume play, according to an ESPN report, although there is uh, some mixed thought and reaction to that. Cody Zeller of the Charlotte Hornets, uh, he spoke yesterday talking about the optimism that the NBA will resume. It's fading in his opinion. I think it's getting lower by the day. I think a big a big uh, turning point in my optimism was the, the China tried to restart their league and they tried to take everyone's temperature which is something that we were doing early on but there were guys that didn't show that they had a temperature and they were asymptomatic but they had the virus and on the court we're bumping into each other block out screens yeah. and if one of us has it it's going to spread pretty quickly so i think the turning point is going to be whenever they can get a home test kit where they can test all of us before we take the court and get quick, quick results but it sounds like the technology and also there's there's people that need it worse than, you know, NBA right. players. So it's one of the technology and also the production of getting it. But I'm yeah. kind of pessimistic that we're going to get that in the next, you know, six weeks or so. Cody Zeller also saying the NBA, he doesn't want them taking tests away from people who need them. Initially, I was like, yeah, that makes sense, you know, to test all the players. But then once it came up, it was like, you know, there's people that need it a lot worse than the NBA players, you know. We kind of get stuck in tunnel vision of, you know, our world is the only thing that matters. And, you know, once I take a step back and say, you know, we, in the big scheme of things, we don't need it. We're all healthy guys. We're younger players. And so, you know, worst case scenario, we can get over the symptoms. But people that are a lot worse shape than us probably needed it before us. Coming up on The Blitz, Trey Wingo joined 710 ESPN to chat about how Seattle is done in free agency, particularly with Jadevian Clowney. And plus, in the upcoming draft, what are their needs in terms of pass rush versus their needs on the offensive line? How do they match up? It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 13th. 
Jurassic Five always makes mm-hmm. me feel better. Uh, recently on 710 ESPN Seattle, Trey Wingo took some time to join Danny and Gallant to chat about the Seahawks' priorities this offseason, how they've done in free agency so far, as well as uh, their dealings with Jadefian Clowney. The lack of news, is that good news? And also some other concerns that they have to address in the upcoming draft. Here was Trey Wingo on with Danny and Gallant. Is there a team that you expect to make a total hash of the technology? Their Wi-Fi is going to cut out. They're going to have to restart their computer. Is there anybody that's at a prohibitive disadvantage? Well, hell, I'm hoping that doesn't happen to us, so I don't want to wish it on any of the teams because we're all in the same boat. Um, but to me, along those lines, any team that is nimble and is prepared and plans for contingencies is going to be fine. So, in other words, the teams that are normally good at drafting will be good at drafting. And the teams that aren't normally good at drafting are probably going to complain and have their own issues. What did you make of the trade that we saw yesterday? The Texans, once again, making a head-scratching move. They trade a second-round pick for Brandon Cooks, despite this being a pretty loaded wide receiver draft that maybe they could have found in the second round and the Rams just continue to shed salary moving on from Brandon cooks in an off season where they've had to part ways with a lot of notable names. Well, the, the first thing I feel like the Texans are punking us because they're the only team that doesn't have a GM. And I feel like their entire off season has been a month and a half long PSA for how important having a competent general manager is. So let, let's take the sort of overall landscape of what we're talking about here. They didn't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins, according to head coach Bill O'Brien, and they were afraid he's going to sit out, so they moved him. Okay, fine. So you move him. What do you get in return? Basically a beat-up running back. That's it, okay? And you can say, well, you wanted to move on from him, but that's all you get? Stephon Diggs moved from Minnesota to Buffalo, and they got a first-round pick for him. Stephon Diggs is a very good receiver. You know who he isn't? DeAndre Hopkins. So that was a total fail to get just that for DeAndre Hopkins. Now you pick up Brandon Cooks, who has had some success in the NFL, and he's signed to a contract, and you give up a second-round pick to get him. That second-round pick is 57 overall in the draft. Okay, There are at least 15 to 20 wide receivers that have first-round grades in this draft. You could have used that. And if you're really concerned about money, you could have used that and gotten someone cheaper, hopefully, than what you would have to pay. And obviously that was a reason you stated for getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Well, that's sort of head-scratching. Then you factor in the money you're going to have to pay Brandon Cooks alongside the guaranteed money you agreed to in that three-year $27 million deal for Randall Cobb, and you're paying Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks over $19 million a year. Correct me if I'm wrong. But DeAndre Hopkins, according to the Texans, wanted a contract worth between 18 and $20 million a year. What's a better option for your franchise? Signing DeAndre Hopkins to a deal for $19 million or taking on the concussion troublematic Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb for $19 million a year? It, it's nuts. I, I just look at what they've done, and it's a really good example of why you probably shouldn't have a coach Who's, who's making personnel decisions because it's not just that he wants to win right now, but he probably doesn't have the best overall view of value in the game, trends in the game, and those sort of things. 
Trey, the other side of that, the other side of that trade though is is the Rams, and we've watched them shed salary this offseason. They're going to eat a bunch of money on Todd yeah. Gurley's contract whenever they pay it. Is are the Rams a, a sign of the danger you can have when you try to capitalize on this short window and contend for a championship? Because now it kind of looks like they're rebuilding and they don't have many picks to do it with. Well, they won't have a pick next year either. They've traded that one away. So the, unless they find a way to trade back into the first round this year or next year, they will set the record. They'll go from 2017 to 2021, which is five straight years without a first-round pick. Uh, the Chargers from 94 to 97 uh, were the longest before this little run by the Rams. And you want to talk about dead money. On the Gurley contract and the Brandon Cooks contract alone this year, they're eating about $30 million in dead cap money. Uh, I, I do appreciate the fact that the Rams went all in uh, to try and win, and they got to the Super Bowl. They just couldn't get it done. They couldn't get over the hump, and they lost to the Patriots 13 to three. So, if you're a, if you're a general manager or the coach or the front office executive, you you say to yourself, it was worth it because we had our shot. Did we capitalize on it? No, but we had our opportunity. We got there. Um, but you're right; it's a tough pill to swallow. And now, guys, you're looking at I believe the toughest division in sports, right? I mean, even with all the problems the Rams had, had the playoff format that is going forward now been in existence last season, they would have been the seventh seed at nine and seven. Um, so I, I don't think the cupboard is as bare as some people think with the Rams because they still have Robert Woods. They still have Cooper Cup. And quite frankly, the way they, they sort of built their personnel last year, they played with a lot of two tight end formations, which means Everett, and Higby were on the field at the same time, which means Cook wouldn't have been on the field as much. I don't think the cupboard is as bare as some people think it is for the Rams, but clearly they loaded up for this one opportunity. They got there. They just didn't. They just couldn't cash it in. I think there's some frustration locally that maybe the Seahawks this offseason aren't going all in right now, and I think a lot of people are wondering, what are they going to do about the pass rush? Should Evie and Clowney still sitting out there? without a team, without a home. Has Seattle played this right with Clowney? I think they have because the, the people that are going to get dinged up in this reality we're dealing with in the NFL right now are players that have injury concerns and, and low-round, low-to-mid-round draft picks that needed a little more convincing for the draft. I mean, look at the players that are available. Jadavion Clowney was a number one overall pick. Cam Newton was a number one overall pick. If they were both healthy, I don't think they'd be sitting out there. But you can't get your medical personnel to come get a look at them right now. And I think that's what's holding back both Clowney and Cam being signed. And I think Clowney realizes that he was asking too much. He's already sort it's like a it's like a real estate uh, broker where they say we have a really motivated seller, right? He's already gone from twenty million down to seventeen. So I think on that front, Seattle has played it correctly. I, I don't think I, I don't think anybody is going to be getting what Jadavian Clowney thought he was going to get. So there's a real possibility that he may come back, and that may work for them. But the other side of this, guys, is we still have massive issues on the offensive line for the for the Seahawks, right? Uh, in the in the pass metric, pass rush metric that we use at ESPN, pass rush win rate, which by the way is not easy to say. Uh, I think they were 28th in the league last year in terms of. Players or defensive players were beating their blocks uh, less than uh, two and a half seconds, uh, pretty pretty uh, rapidly. So 
So that's sort of the metric that we use, and, and that was a problem for Seattle last year. And part of that is by design. Russell go out and run around. But if that's part of your design, you want to make sure you have a better uh, offensive line to allow him to do that. I've now gone through, I think it's a full eight years of crisis mode about the offensive line. I've come to accept that that's just how it's going to be, Trey. Every year year he's just going to get the bejesus knocked out of him no matter what they They do. (laughs) Seriously, draft an offensive lineman in the first round, he's going to stink, and Russell's still going to get hit. Sign some guys in free agency, well, they'll come in like Robert Gallery and they'll stink. Like, it's just going to happen. That's that's the way it is. Yeah, and... uh... You know, it's interesting what they do this year, right, because there's a few offensive linemen and tackles specifically that everybody seems to really like, but there's a, they feel like there's a pretty big drop-off after those first few guys. So you wonder how they're going to manage that situation. All right. Last thing from you, Trey. We turn to you for hope and, and maybe something to take out. Do you have any suggestions about things we can do to fill time during quarantine life? Perhaps a movie to watch, a yep. book to read, other than other than to listen to Golick and Wingo each morning on ESPN Radio. That that one's that one's clearly marked. Yeah, I mean, we we got twenty hours more in the day. You got to fill. Um, yeah, exactly. So just out of curiosity, because because you guys were hit pretty hard with the beginning of this. How restrictive are the things in Washington right now? For example, where I live in the state of Connecticut, our golf courses are open now. There are massive restrictions about what you can and can't do. You, there are no rakes in the bunkers. You, the pro shop is not open. You can't touch the flag sticks. You can't, there's no attendant that can touch your clubs or anything like that. But are, are golf courses open in the state of Washington? They're not. We actually had a piece in the Seattle Times about how they're not, and they're hoping to open soon because I think they feel anger that they can't go out on the course while other states maybe can. Or that it, may, that it might be possible yeah. to still practice it. But they're hoping May 5th. They're hoping after May 5th they'll open, but they're not open right now. Wow. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard, right? Dr. Fauci says it's okay to get outside as long as you can maintain social distance. And this is where I feel like people in rural areas have a huge advantage over people over urban areas. I mean, literally where I live, if I wanted to, I could walk outside for four hours and run into 10 people and stay as far away from them as humanly possible. So for those people that are in very tight, congested areas, uh, I, I really feel for you because there's no escaping it. There's no way around it in major metropolitan cities. Um, so, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I guess I would suggest doing anything besides eating and drinking constantly, although the second part I will That's allow. Hard. <laughs> that was uh, Trey Wingo on with Danny and Gallant. Full interview available at 710sports.com for you. Up next on The Blitz, it's time for the hot list. Some thoughts on Quinton Dunbar, one of the newest Seahawks, plus the NBA's plan, one of them that they're weighing to potentially uh, restart the league, and it would require a 25-day program for players to go through. We'll explain next on the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6.45. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go!
Rudy Gobert downplayed uh, friction with him and Utah Jazz teammate Donovan Mitchell yesterday, saying they spoke for the first time since Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus, which ended up leading to the suspension of the NBA season. Those things happening in quick succession uh, on a Wednesday night. Mitchell later tested positive for coronavirus and was upset about Gobert's behavior before the center was aware that he had been infected. Um, in an Instagram post hours after Mitchell received the results of his positive test, Gobert apologized for not taking the threat of the coronavirus seriously and potentially exposing others. It's true, quote, that we didn't speak for a while after this, but we spoke a few days ago, Gobert said on Instagram Live. We're both ready to go out there and try to win a championship for this team. On Sunday, Gobert said the Jazz's pair of all-stars remain on the same page. It's not about being unprofessional, Gobert said. You know, everyone has got different relationships. It's never perfect. Since the suspension of the, the season, Mitchell's only comments publicly regarding he and Gobert came Uh, on Good Morning America back in March. And he said, quote, to be honest with you, it took a while for me to kind of cool off. And I read what he said and heard what he said uh, when asked by host Robin Roberts if he thought he'd be in touch with Gobert. He said, I'm glad he's doing okay. I'm glad I'm well. I'm just really happy, to be honest, Robin, that it wasn't the whole team. Uh, Gobert said he received death threats in days after his positive test and reiterated that issues between him and Mitchell were overblown, that there is no fight. Jeff Dickerson uh, on this relationship and perhaps it not being fixable. This is a guy that was irresponsible when a viral pandemic was breaking out in this country and he was acting like supposedly an idiot. I mean, he certainly was publicly rubbing the microphones and not being safe in the locker room. So, I, yeah, I, I know. I, I'm wondering if, if they have already passed the point of no return. If they're going to compete in the West, they have to be together. But I'm not sure if that's the most important thing on Mitchell's mind right now. We'll see. As the NBA waits to restart its league, Adam Silver has encouraged league employees to present ideas for a potential return, how that would play out. Executives and medical personnel have been discussing possible protocols things that players would do to get ready for games that they could make sure that they were following all health guidelines. One proposal involves a 25-day program uh, ramp up for players to go through before they resume gameplay. They're spending a lot of time getting a back-to-basketball plan ready. They hope they get to use it. And in talking to executives and trainers around the league, what they're looking at is a 25-day return to basketball window. Hopefully at some point they can enact it. An 11-day series of individual workouts where there'd be social distancing for a period of time. And then hopefully if the clearance comes that they can play five-on-five basketball, a 14-day training camp. So as you hope for the country to heal and the virus to to get better, uh, look for at least about a three and a half to four week return date before you'd ever get back to to games. So it would include that 11 day stretch of individual workouts in which social distancing, at least some measure of it, would be still practiced as you ramp up training into activity. Remember, a lot of players are quarantined at home. A lot of them, yes, do have a basketball court, but... That doesn't mean that they have all the access to be able to train at the level that they need to. But if permitted by medical officials, they'd move on from that 11-day stretch of individual workouts and then have a two-week training camp with all the teams participating together. A lot of executives, though, still hesitant, expressing trepidation about this plan that 
Uh, it might need closer to a month because you're talking about going from very few workouts, at least formal workouts, um, players having to work out on their own until to this ramping up at a professional level. And some executives have stressed that this could open up player susceptibility to injuries, and that's something nobody wants. Cody Zeller of the Charlotte Hornets also spoke over the weekend about his optimism that the NBA will resume this season dwindling. I think it's getting lower by the day. I think a big a big uh, turning point in my optimism was that China tried to restart their league and they tried to take everyone's temperature, which is something that we were doing early on. But there were guys that didn't show that they had a temperature. They were asymptomatic, but they had the virus. And on the court, we're bumping into each other, blocking out screens. And if one of us has it, it's going to spread pretty quickly. So I think the turning point is going to be whenever they can get a home test kit where they can test all of us before we take the court and get quick quick results. But it sounds like the technology and also there's there's people that need it worse than, you know, NBA players. So it's one of the technology and also the production of getting it. But I'm kind of pessimistic that we're going to get that the next you know, six weeks or so. Also said that NBA shouldn't take away tests from people who need them right now. Chris Paul also had a message to players and fans during quarantine. I, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, as much as we all miss the game and as bad as we all want to play, our biggest message has been uh, safety. That comes first. You know, the health of uh, not only our players in our league, but everyone as a whole. Uh, you know, stay home. You know, everyone is trying to to stay connected as much as possible. That's why it's dope. I think she said she talked to her team. My team is doing a, a call on Monday. And the more that we can see each other, I think the better. Obviously, you can do conference calls on the phone, but anytime you can video and actually see someone, I think that connection is real. So, no, uh, we all want the fans to know that we've missed them just as much as they miss us. Uh, this is breaking news and really sad news, but according to a report from Ian Rappaport, Former Vikings, former Seahawks, and Bills quarterback Tavares Jackson reportedly passed away in a car accident last night. He was 36 years old. Ian Rappaport's tweet reads, Former Seahawks QB Tavares Jackson died last night in a car accident in Alabama. A spokesperson for his employer, employer Tennessee State, tells me Jackson, 36, was TSU's QB coach. Along with Seattle, he also played for the Vikings and the Bills. Jackson was drafted by the Vikings in the second round back in 2016 and uh, took over the starting job there. In his second year, he led Minnesota to an 8-4 and record. He was 10-10 and in his career as the Vikings starter over a five-year span. He also was here in Seattle, earned the head quarterbacking job in Seattle after being signed in 2011, the offseason. 7-7 seven and seven with Seattle that year. Then a trade the following season sent him to the Bills, but he was back in Seattle uh, later and then earned ended up earning a Super Bowl ring with that 2013 team as the backup to Russell Wilson. He retired at age 32 following the 2015 season. Jackson is currently or was currently an offensive analyst and quarterbacks coach for Tennessee State University, a Division I school. He had formerly coached at Alabama State University overseeing quality control as well as the quarterback unit. So sad news this morning and hearts going out uh, to, to the family and friends. Quarterback Dak Prescott, according to TMZ Sports, reportedly hosted a birthday party for a friend on Friday night. Why is this relevant? Well, allegedly as many as 30 people in attendance at his home in Texas, uh, including 
reportedly Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott, and that uh, there were some photos TMZ Sports posted where people clearly not respecting the social distancing guidelines uh, closer than six feet apart. Police uh, did show up but said they were unable to verify whether Prescott was violating social distancing guidelines during the party, as the Fort Worth Star-Telegram noted. And uh, as of now, it's just more a bad public perception here. Bobby Carpenter speaking to it. The public perception here is it's not great, and especially when so many young people look up, and those are the people that you're trying to tell, like, hey, even though this might not be something that is critically important to you for your your own health based upon you know, where you're at with your you know, uh, immune system, it is important to a lot of other people. So let's just try to be wise and be proactive with it. A lot of leagues exploring those options. We mentioned NBA's consideration of the 25-day plan, but also the NHL uh, talking about options to return. Emily Kaplan, ESPN NHL reporter, talking about different locations that the NHL is currently scouting to potentially play games. I do believe the NHL is now looking at a situation where if they do resume, they know it would have to be without fans, and it might be safer, and it might be... Um, more accessible due to whatever local restrictions are going on in government to have it in a more remote place, have it at a neutral site. And yeah, North Dakota is one of the ones that does make a lot of sense because, um, you know, we don't need an NHL um, rink in, in terms of capacity of fans, but we do need something that's quite nice for these players. And UND does have some great facilities. As for MLB, we haven't heard anything after that plan uh, where they felt optimistic enough to potentially bring games back by May. And that was a huge uh, topic of discussion. But Buster only saying, talking about which team does he believe was hurt most by this delayed season? I don't think there's any question. It's the New York Mets who were all in on winning this year. They structured their team to try to win in 2020. They have a lot of starting pitchers who are free agent years end. Marcus Stroman. Uh, and Rick Borsello and Michael Waka. They were so hopeful in spring training and they felt like they were going to have a good season and they had a lot riding on it. Because you remember last year they had a tentative deal for $2.6 billion with Steve Cohn to sell the team. And we don't know yet what the financial impact of all this is on baseball and whether or not franchise values will come down and whether or not Mets ownership can replicate that offer whenever they get back to business. Paul Moyer, always good to hear from him, the former Seahawk, joining Bob David more recently to talk about Quentin Dunbar, uh, someone that he has been watching a lot of film of recently. You know, you look at his attributes, 6'2", 200 pounds, former wide receiver, um, free agent coming out of college, so he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I, I like all of those things. Then you put the film on, and I was like, Wow. I, he does remind me a little bit, I hate to throw this name out too much, but he reminds me a little bit of Richard Sherman. And, and it's more in the way he, he reads routes. I mean, his, his route reading ability is amazing. We've heard that comparison before. Also, Paul Moyer just impressed with uh, his style and says it'll do well here in this division against NFC West offense. He, he's going to make the 49ers, Arizona, and the Rams the type of routes they run. And I truly believe this is why they got him. Uh, he's going to make it much more difficult for them. So he's still got some you know, things he's got to learn. Uh, you know, he's, he's a former wide receiver, so once he reads something, he, he tends to look too much in the backfield. He, he needs to, once he realizes that route's not there, he's got to get back to the receiver. 
but he he's going to cost us some money. I, I think next year when they have to resign him because I think he's that good. Paul Moer also saying his confidence uh, is great to see. He trusts his instincts. And he has this confidence. Everybody has instincts, but to trust your instincts is a whole nother game for a corner. Very few of them do. They're, they're reactors. Boy, once he reads something, and he he's pretty accurate on his reads, boy, he comes with it. He is an absolute playmaker. Um, he's not a great bump and run guy um, yet, I and mean, he certainly is capable of it. He plays off the ball quite a bit, but it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you can't get slants in on him. You can't get quick outs on him. Um, if you run you know, some type of cluster route and he's playing the three-deep zone behind it, forget about it. That's music to Seahawks fans' ears. Paul Moyer, listen to his full interview, available at 710sports.com. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Once again, hope everybody is safe and healthy out there and that you had an amazing Easter weekend. Up next, it's Danny and Galat.